The Brewing Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Fleece. Welcome, my brewing uh, brothers and sisters, to the Jamel Show. This is Jamel Zanchev. And today we're talking about ordinary bitter, and uh, we're going to go into the style and what it takes to make it, and what it takes to have an award-winning version of it. And uh, it's one of my favorite styles. It's not... Uh, uh, as the the name implies, very ordinary. It's actually a very flavorful, very wonderful beer. Have you had a lot of ordinary bitters, John? I actually never have. Well, I'll tell you, it, it's one of my absolute favorite styles, uh, and I had just the most wonderful experience. I was in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. I was at a place called Milnes on Rose Street, and they've got these great pubs there where, uh, you know, it's it's more of a way of life than it is. Uh, you know, people just don't go out. Uh, people do go out just drinking. But, uh, you know, over there, a lot of people after work, um, you know, or as part of the evening's events, the family will go down to the pub and uh, they'll uh, go and have, uh, you know, some pints. And uh, one of the most important things about it is uh, this this ordinary bitter style is that it's very low in alcohol, and you can have multiple pints. You can drink, you know, pint after pint after pint. So, uh, so the kids don't get drunk. Exactly. Right. Well, you can you can drink several pints and uh, still enjoy your friends, uh, not get into trouble. You can you know go to work the next day and be okay. Mm. So I was in uh, Edinburgh at this this pub, and uh, I was sampling a couple of various things. I walked in and uh, I went to get a pint. And, uh, you know, a pint of bitter and the, uh, uh, the publican started, uh, pouring the pint and they'll set it, uh, set it down on this, uh, mat while they're, uh, waiting for the, the head to subside and they're right. going to top it off. And, and, uh, me being the, uh, want it now American, I went ahead and, you know, I grabbed it and started, you know, started reaching to drink from it. And the, uh, couple of guys came up to me and said, Hey, don't let her screw you like that. <laughs> I'm like, well, what, 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 what? And they're, they're saying, well, you know, it had uh, about a quarter inch of foam on the top. They go, that's not a full pint. That's not a full measure. Wow. You know, do you, you know, you make sure she fills that all the way. That's hardcore. And uh, she said, hey, hey, she got, it was here. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so it it's you. clearly my, my, <laughs> my faux pas because, you know, if it were about three inches over, more towards me, then it's my turn to pick it up. Right. You right. see, and drink it. And, and they, they like those pints filled all the way to the rim. And they don't serve it on CO2, right? No, they serve those on cask and, uh, well, and they'll serve them on CO2 some places, but the best places they'll serve them on cask. But this, uh, these guys, uh, I started talking to them and, uh, we, we started, uh, chatting and we started doing, uh, rounds. So, uh, you know, uh, we were standing around. So I would stand a round for the group. And, uh, you know, then each person stands gotcha. around for the group. So, uh, yet again, another reason why ordinary bitters are, you know, a lot of those, uh, pub beers need to be low in alcohol so you can, you can stand, uh, you know, drink a lot of two, four or five rounds. 
Um, but they, they take that standing around very seriously. So if you ever wonder where the, the phrase standing around comes from, it's you stand a round of beers. You stand okay. a round of drinks. So how many were at this round with you? Uh, just two other guys. Okay. So, uh, so the three of us. And, you know, I said, hey, you know, let me buy you some drinks. And they're like, okay, you know, and you buy, buy some drinks. Nice. And then we finished those. I'm like, eh, hey, let me get another round. And that was the wrong thing to do. You don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. They, they take it very seriously. It's one, one man's turn, then the next, and then the next. And, uh, you don't, you don't interrupt another guy's, uh, well, uh, you know, it's, that's very insulting to, yeah. uh, it's like implying that he can't uh, pay or won't, or that he's uh, welching on a. So you're still welcome back in debt. debt. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, luckily, but it, you know it's the most wonderful style because there's 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 so many great flavors, and they actually take on when they're served on cask, they're exposed to the atmosphere. They take in atmosphere from the pub, and uh, the the various uh, flora and fauna of that pub kind of affects how the beer is going to be. So. Um, you know, you'll you'll get different tasting. You know, you can have the same beer at uh, a different pub, and it's going to taste uh, a little bit different based on uh, you know how the publican's treating it and what the uh, what the the environment's like. And so you get a whole different experience. So they don't actually plan on keeping it around a long time, then. Right. They they go through these things. Uh, you know, uh, usually in a in a couple days, most. Okay. And uh, past that, they tend to go bad. So uh, right. you need a pub with high turnover. But uh, it takes on this, these wonderful characteristics of the pub. And it's not uh, funky like a Belgian funky, but it'll be, you know, a slight oxidation. It'll be a slight, uh, you know, fruiting, different fruitiness or, you know, some other characteristics. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just wonderful. Uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, great thing about uh, ordinary bitters is um, again that low alcohol. And the, the reasoning uh, how that low alcohol came to pass was uh, uh, back in uh, 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 wartime and also through taxation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to. They were basing the the amount of tax that the brewer had to pay based on the uh, gravity of the beer. And so, was uh, it for all grain? Yeah, for, well, and you know they had ways of getting around it with sugar, and then uh, you know not, and then they changed. You know they so the taxation kept changing, right. and the market forces kept changing, and the shortages of grain during the war, and pretty soon uh, you know gravities that used to be you know beers that used to be eight percent alcohol are down to three percent alcohol. Right. But you know one of the the side effects is you know you can drink a lot more. Right. And uh, I'm sure they don't mind. Exactly. <laughs> um, but. Uh, that's uh, you know one of the ways that uh, the 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 beers came down in uh, alcohol. So uh, uh, ordinary bitter, it is a you know they, they talk about bitters and they're not that bitter. They're, they're, Why they're, did they call it then? Well, they're they're more bitter than other other beers, okay. but they're not. Um, you know, when in the U.S. when we're talking about bitter, especially on the West right. Coast, you're talking about you know triple IPA. You know, well, where it really you know, confuses people right, on the West Coast. Right. Where bitter in England is, you know, it is. Uh, you know, a bit more bitter than it is malty. So it's, you know, it's, it tends to be balanced towards the bitter, but it's, it's pretty close to even. Okay. So in an ordinary bitter, you're gonna have, uh, uh, you're gonna have, uh, you know, a, a firm, you know, moderate bitterness, uh, but it's gonna be balanced with some malt. It's gonna be balanced with maybe a little bit of, uh, a slight, uh, hint of caramel in there. You're gonna have, uh, uh, you know, some fruity esters from the yeast and the fermentation that makes a, a big difference. You're going to have, uh, 
perhaps a touch of uh, hop flavor and aroma. Uh, they don't tend to be uh, hoppy like a uh, American Pale Ale, like a Sierra Nevada. They tend to be uh, subtle hopping, you know, a, a, a bit of flavor, a, a, a hint of aroma. You, you can get some that have some dry hopping. They'll put it in the cask mm-hmm. at the pub, and uh, it'll tend to bring out a little more aroma. But they don't tend to use, uh, you know, really resiny, citrusy uh, type of hops that we do out here. So it, it, it's generally uh, more restrained. And, uh, again, you know, it's a really balanced beer, but it's got a lot of flavors. It's got the, the esters. It's got the, the caramel. It's got the malt. It's got the hops. It's got, uh, you know, a bit of alcohol. And, and all of that together is a very uh, nice, interesting, complex package. And then if you add in the, the changes with the uh, that happen in the pub, right. you'll, you'll get a, uh, you know, quite a, quite a event there going on. In a uh, easy drinking package, so is it hard to homebrew such a light, complex flavor beer like that? Um, you know, it's not hard to get started, but it's it can be tricky to perfect. Right. right? So uh, balance is really the key on this. You want something that's very drinkable uh, and balanced. You want something that you can you know drink a pint in a in a few minutes and be able to drink you know uh, you know half a dozen pints throughout the night. Okay. Right. So. Um, you know, I, I've got uh, some friends that tell me, uh, well, you can't make a uh, low alcohol beer that tastes any good because you need the alcohol in there. You need five or six percent. Not true. Well, that's just not the case. Yeah. If once you get over about two and a half percent alcohol, right, that that's enough alcohol to give you the mouth feel and the and the flavors and uh, kind of that the, the effect that alcohol has on a beer. Without alcohol, yeah, beer is is horrible, but. Uh, you know, ordinary bitter, you're talking about, uh, you know, three, three to three, eight. Yeah. You're talking in the, in the mid threes. And that's, uh, plenty of alcohol to, to really make for a flavorful, uh, uh, drinking experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the color of a, uh, uh, ordinary bitter, it's gonna be kind of that, uh, you know, light copper. They have a thing called summer bitters that some of them are doing now, which are, uh, real pale. They leave out the crystal malts and, and, uh, they tend to use, uh, different kind of hops than the traditional Kent Goldings, uh, and, uh, those are more pale, but they'll get darker as, uh, as they go. Uh, you're going to, uh, have a, a bitterness that's going to be, um, uh, kind of balance so uh with the uh the gravity ratio so if you uh have Ray Daniels books he talked about the bitterness uh, gravity ratio this is going to be uh close to 1 to 1 also for for bitters um i tend to go just slightly like 0. 0.9 to 1 uh in mine so uh in a in a so for a 35 uh, OG uh, 1035 you would have uh you know about 30 IBUs Okay. Or so, uh, is about right. Carbonation is always, uh, quite low. So when, when they serve these on cask, and one of the reasons that carbonation is low is that it makes for, uh, a smoother drinking, easier drinking beer. Not as filling. Right. Not as filling again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Um, you know, when you have something that's highly carbonated, you can't drink very many of them. Right. Uh, and, uh, uh, when you, when the carbonation is high on a, on a low gravity beer, it, Tends to become very sharp and acidic mm. and uh, harsh, and it tends to just destroy all the flavor in the beer. You can't really taste the beer. You back it off, and I know it sounds strange, but you know you get down to a lower carbonation level, 
and it, the beer almost becomes much creamier and uh, easier to drink. As a home brewer, what level would you serve your beer at, like pressure-wise? Well, uh, you know, that's going to depend on temperature of, okay. a, of a keg or whatever, but uh, you're shooting for, oh, you know, one and a half volumes or so. Uh, you know, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. It depends on, uh, uh, you know, a standard American uh, pub uh, ale will be served around uh, two and a half volumes. I, I, I'm trying to re- rephrase that. I don't understand volumes. How, how do you break that down to, like, PSI? So, um, well, um, if you get one of those PSI temperature charts, yeah. um, what one of the numbers across the chart will be um, volumes. So in the in the middle of the chart, all those little numbers, those are volumes of right. CO2. Okay. So a Belgian ale will be, you know, up to four volumes of uh, uh, CO2. Uh, a cast condition ale can be down to one to you know one and a half volumes. Wow. A standard American ale is going to be two and a half volumes. Uh, EJ Fair is probably close to that, maybe a little lower than that. He doesn't undercarpeting his. Okay. And then uh, you know some of them you know they'll, they'll go higher, closer to three. Uh, you know a lot of the real spritzy beers they they'll, they'll be much higher in the CO two. Hey Jamil, how come you said? Uh that, the, that you should brew it at one and a half, but a but a, a true British one would be in a pub. You'd get it at, at two and a half. You said two and a half or three. Oh no, a uh, the American pubs will do uh, two and a half. Oh okay. Uh, but British British pubs and British Cascale Cascale they uh, they uh, condition it in the cask and they use a very low amount of uh, priming in those. Gotcha. Okay. And so the carbonation will be very low, very atmospheric. And, uh, you know, uh, good commercial examples are, are pretty hard to get around here. You can get Boddington's in the can, and uh, it's got that nitrogen thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at least the, the beer inside is pretty close. Uh, you know, Fuller's, uh, um, Smith's, Young's, uh, they all have ordinary bitters, but, you know, hard to find in the bottle. Uh, the low-alcohol products usually... Um, you know, you're going to have to go and find them in a pub, and in the U.S., that's a little harder to find. Especially shop of some sort? Yeah, um, you know, some, some, some pubs. There's some English pubs that, that carry stuff like that. Uh, uh, you know, if you ever get a chance to get over to Britain, uh, you'll find uh, quite a few and, uh, you know, excellent opportunity to sample some great beers over there as well. Why don't they use nitrogen in Britain? And they do. Brew, you know? They do more and more. And it's just, it's not um, not considered real ale. Really? You know, if, uh, if you get the, if you're familiar with Camera, the, the, uh, you know, the society that's, uh, you know, uh, encouraging, uh, the drinking of real ale. So, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 nitrogen just is, uh, not quite right for this style. Okay. Uh, when we get back from break, we're going to, uh, talk about, uh, making a recipe for ordinary bitter. And, uh, we'll be right back. Now, back to the Jameel Show. Welcome back. We're uh, talking about ordinary bitters on the Jamil Show. And uh, we just uh, kind of went through an overview of the style. And uh, somebody in the chat room was asking about sparklers. And uh, a sparkler is uh, a little device they put on the end of the uh, beer engines. A beer engine is like a pump that pumps the beer from the... 
uh, low pressure cask into the glass. And a sparkler tends to knock out the carbonation out of the beer even further. So it has low carbonation already. And it strips almost all the carbonation out, but it forms this uh, uh, cascading creamy head on the, on the beer. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's something you'll see, you know, some pubs around here, uh, not a lot, uh, but more, you'll find more and more cast condition ales, uh, in the United States. I see them more and more in pubs. They'll have one thing on. They'll take one of their regular beers and do it as a cask. Hmm. Turns out pretty good. You get one of those for home. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Can you use a nitrogen faucet? Uh, you can. Just uh, to strip it out because it's got that yeah, restricted the, the, the disc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can. Might try that. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, recipe for ordinary bitters, um, you know, for most English beers, you want a fairly uh, malty background, not not huge malty like a like a German Bach, but uh, you know more biscuity kind of background malty. And and the the way to get that is uh, English pale malt. So um, there's there's a lot of good English pale malts out there. Uh, some of the cultivars you can get are uh, like Marisada or Golden Promise, things like that. And uh, what they do is they take those those grains and they uh, kiln them a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. And what that gives you is a little more biscuity, a little more malty, a little more character to the overall base of the beer. Mm-hmm. That's very important in making uh, any kind of uh, English bitter or almost any, any English beer. I just brewed your best bitter and it had it. Huge amount of biscuitiness. Mm-hmm. Very similar to New Belgian Brewery, actually. They had the biscuitiness going on that, too. But <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of biscuitiness. Yeah, it shouldn't turn out quite that biscuity. They, I mean, they, they put a lot of extra biscuit malt and okay. stuff in there. Or what, I'm not sure what they're using, Victory or what, but. Well, it's mellowed a lot, though, since, so. Yeah, um, but, but you'll get, you'll get some of that background in there, and it's very important. Uh, if you're going with extract, um. Yeah? Yeah, ultralight or English. Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, if you can get the uh, English uh, extract, malt extract, the Marisotter base that uh, some uh, uh, shops are selling, I know you can get it online. Um, that's your best choice. If you're going to go with ultralight or you're buying, uh, you know, ultralight in bulk and you want to go that way, that'll work too. But you need to be aware that you need to compensate with some specialty malt. So you're going to add a little bit of biscuit or maybe a little... Uh, uh, a, a tiny bit of uh, aromatic or something yeah. like that that will help uh, kind of bring the character up. I think it really is the the ideal way is to go with an English pale malt, okay. uh, the grain or the extract, and that's going to give you um, the proper character. If you can't do that, you know, or if you're going to use like domestic Duro, uh, you need to compensate. What about like uh, Special B or a little bit of Higher Crystal 120? Right. Um, one of the things that you want to do with uh, uh, an ordinary bitter is, um, if you're making a uh, your generic ordinary bitter, uh, not a summer bitter. Summer bitter doesn't have any crystal in it, but the ordinary bitter is going to have, um, you know, up to about 10% of specialty grains in the color range of, you know, 75 to 150 love. And uh, what I use in mine is, uh, you know, about for a Five pound, five gallon batch. You're going, uh, you know, 19 liters. You're going uh, six pounds of uh, uh, of pale malt, uh, and you're going for all grain. And you're going like a half pound of Crystal 120. And I like to use a quarter pound of Special Roast really? to kind of give a little character. Now you could go some the color from that too. You get you, you pick up some color, and uh, 
uh, you know, it, it gives that, uh, that slight caramel background plus, a, you know, a little tweak of, uh, kind of roastiness in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Terry Foster has a great book uh, called Pale Ale. It's one of the, the best in that style series of books. And, uh, in there, he talks, you know, about using, uh, you know, a touch of roast, I think, in some of them, uh, you know, for color, they adjust that way. But I, I like getting it with the special roast. It, it, it does a good job. It's a really good character to it. One of the listeners, uh, we got in there, Impala says that the Maris Otter extract does, uh, does real well for his bitters. He, he replaced it with that and, uh, it made a world of difference, he said, sure. just the, using the Maris Otter. It, it does have more of that biscuitiness behind it by far. Yeah, I, that's, I, that's I, a fantastic I, extract. It's a really multi-base to Maris Otter and English Light. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not as dry as a two-row right. or an American Pale. Right. I use it for all my ales, but it has a lot more flavor. Right. Yeah, um, one interesting thing that people a lot of times get confused on is uh, Maris Otter, Golden Promise, uh, uh, those are those are cultivars of a grain. So it's a it's a breed of grain. And um, Have you ever tried Golden it's Promise? Not, it's not a... Uh, Yes, uh, and there's several uh, maltsters. So the maltster would be like Crisp or Hubert or, uh, you know, uh, Brees or, you know, Great Western. Those are maltsters, okay. right? right? And then Maris Otter or Golden Promise is the, the breed of grain that, that's being used. Okay. So any of them could, could make a Maris Otter. Okay. Uh, based grain. So, uh, or, you know, use Maris Otter as, as the, the grain they're using f- to make their English pale. So, uh, yeah, that's that's just uh, something that uh, a lot of people get uh, mixed up on it uh, time and again. What about oak? Oak, um, you know, I, I would not use any oak in any English beers, really. Okay. Um, I know that you know it was a lot of people thought, well, you know, it's the the cask and it was uh, you know the long sea voyages and the IPA and all that, but they tend to line them with brewer's pitch, so they really didn't pick up any oak. And, uh, you know, today going over there, I don't taste anything with oak. Okay. So they, they, and the, all the uh, casks are, uh, stainless. All right. So, uh. Strictly, strictly storage. Right. Uh, you know, if you'd like that, um, you know, certainly any, you know, in home brewing, you can add anything you want and right. do it any way you want. But, um, you know, I'd try and, uh, try it without and, uh, perfect, uh, the ordinary bitter first and then, you can always uh, do that uh, later on, or you can, you know, brew it, um, drink half of it without the oak, then throw some oak cubes in, and uh, you know, see how it changes the character and experiment. Uh, you know, it would be interesting, but uh, it's not something I do. Or if you're doing for competition, you sh- you shouldn't uh, add the oak. Uh, as far as uh, hopping goes, I for just about all my British beers, it's English Kent Goldings. That's it. That's the hop you use. You can also use uh, Willamette. You can use uh, Fuggles. You can use uh, Challenger. You can use, uh, you know, they have a a bunch of, uh, you know, different uh, traditional um, British hops. But uh, really, the, the you know, if you're if you're gonna get into uh, competing, uh, or if you really want the the standard, or if it's the first time you're brewing it, just go with uh, Kent Goldings, and that's that's the way to go. Most of your bitterness needs to come from um, you know early hop additions. So you're doing a 90 minute boil, you'll do a, your bulk of your bittering at uh, 60 minutes, and then you add a touch of hops at 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever for flavor and a touch of hops at the end at knockout for for aroma and that's it 
you can dry hop a little bit in the cask. For a keg. five gallon batch, how much quantity are you actually talking about here? Well, it's going to depend, of course, on the on the alpha acids of the hops. But uh, you know, you're you're between three quarter and one ounce in your bittering hop, and you're maybe a half ounce each at uh, flavor and aroma. Maybe a uh, you know a quarter ounce in dry hopping. Wow. You know, okay. so uh, subtle. Uh, you want the hop flavor and hop aroma there, but subtle. Uh, don't don't overdo it. If you if you like it hoppy, that's fine. But uh, for for uh, an authentic version, it's subtle. Couple of hop questions from the listeners. One, uh, we got an email. Um, is have you ever done? Actually, let, let me hold off on that one. Let me do. Uh, someone just put in half ounce of EKG for a best bidder. He's going to enter in competition. She says it's not as much as he'd normally do if he wasn't entering it in competition. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about that amount of hops for competition? Half ounce EKG in the bittering aroma. He didn't say. He just okay. said that's what he put in. Well, um, you know, as far oh, as... Oh, I'm sorry. Dry, he dry hopped a half ounce of mm. EKG. Depends how long it's going to sit before, um, you know, the judges... Dry hopping, it, it drops off fairly fast. Um, and in competition, uh, you know, it may be okay. There's, there's, you know, one of the things about competition is it depends on the kind of judges you're getting. If you're getting really good judges yeah. that really know their stuff, they're going to ding you for, you know... It uh, being too hoppy or, you know, but then they'll also give you some leeway and they'll say, hey, you know, it's a really good beer, a little bit hoppier than you traditionally get. But, uh, you know, it's still really nice and it balances out well. And, uh, you know, that's close enough. You know, the, yeah. uh, you, judges will tend to cut you some slack. Okay. One thing in these uh, smaller beers that they won't cut you slack on is um, if you go to too high uh, gravity, you're putting too much in there. So uh, ordinary bitter should be. Oh, you know, in the range of, uh, you know, a 1035 beer. And, uh, you know, it goes up to like, the style goes up to maybe 1040. Mm-hmm. And if you're making a 1050 beer and entering as an ordinary bitter, the, the judges that know what they're doing are going to say, this is too big a beer. You've, you, you know, it's not to style. You're, you know, you're, you've gone overboard. And they'll ding you on that just as much as they would for something else. So, um, you know, you really want to, you know, stick within the guidelines. It does, uh, you know, judges will, will catch that. They, you know, they're not going to notice, you know, 1042 over 1040, but, you know, they'll probably say, well, yeah, it's towards the high end of the style. They'll, they'll notice that. And the email question was, have you ever done the late hop edition that you've talked about? Um, you know, like last 10 minutes of the boil for an OB? No, I haven't. And, and the reason I haven't is, uh, that's going to give you too much hop flavor and hop aroma in this style. Again, it needs to balance with um, the malt character. It needs to balance with the fruity esters. And if you do that late hop thing, it's going to overwhelm the fruity esters. It's going to overwhelm the caramel. It's going to overwhelm the malt. And it's all going to be about the hops. And that is not this style. This style is balanced, and it's you know you're you're able to in a in a good rendition of the style, you're able to pick up. Uh, you know, the caramel, you're able to pick up the, uh, you know, the, uh, malt base, you're able to pick up the, uh, the fruity esters from the yeast, you're able to pick up, you know, the hops, and you're able to pick them all up, and, uh, plus, get the, uh, character of the pub if they're doing, uh, you know, cask ales and allowing the, the pub air to get in there, they're not using cask breather or anything, you can actually tell the difference on that, and you can tell the difference day to day. You can tell the difference between the morning and the night, so, when you go in for your 8 a.m. beer, for breakfast mm. versus your 8 p.m. <laughs> beer for after dinner, yeah, they're slightly different. Right. And you need to be able to tell that if you did a lot of hopping, 
why are you laughing? If you did a lot of hopping, <laughs> if you did a lot of hopping, like late hopping, then that's going to obliterate all that. It still could be a, you know, if that's the way you like to, to drink it, you know, great, you know, you know, you can go ahead and do that. But, uh, it's, it's important to understand this is a, about a balanced style. What, uh, this is earlier in the chat room. What formula do you use for hop calculations? Rager, Tinseth, Grants? I guess the measurement of hop then? Right. Right. Um, I'd have to look and see which one I'm using. It's just uh, ProMash that'll do it for you, right? That's what right. You're doing. But but what they're talking about, there's three settings in there. Gotcha. And if you're doing, and actually on one or two of those, if you uh, are trying to do the late hopping trick, it doesn't believe any bitterness comes from late hopping, and you'll get like zero bitterness from, uh, or or it'll give you way too much or something. There, one of them's kind of kind of screwy. They're all kind of. Uh, Approximations. I think I use a Rager um, for everything. So uh, uh, I can I can check that and, and add it back on the on the chat. All right. So uh, after the break, we are going to uh, uh, talk about uh, the process for brewing uh, ordinary bitters. We'll talk about water and uh, things like that, and uh, also some Q and A coming up. This is the Jameel Show. Welcome back. Uh, this is Jameel Show. We're talking about ordinary bitters today. And uh, we just kind of went through uh, what uh, goes into a recipe for ordinary bitter. And now we're going to talk about the process. So uh, we had a, a recipe of uh, for five gallons, six pounds of uh, English pale malt, a half pound of uh, Crystal 120, and a quarter pound of uh, special roast, uh, uh, and about 30 IBUs using Kent Goldings, some for aroma, some for flavor. So uh, as we go to uh, make a, a an ordinary bitter, uh, we're going to uh, talk about uh, first the water. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of just using the water you have. You know, filter it for chlorine, but, uh, that's why. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, you know, cause I, I taste so many beers that are, uh, overdone with, uh, salt additions. Uh, okay. Funk, it kind of funkies up the beer a little bit or? Yeah, it makes them chalky or yeah. minerally or metallic or, you know, just, uh, kind of harsh. What about like lactic acid, phosphoric acid? Oh yeah, I, I adjust my water for pH, but oh, uh, you know not for mash. yeah. Oh, so yeah. Uh, you know one of the things for uh, you know beers uh, was the Burtonizing of of water, right? Right. So uh, in the in the past, uh, you know they would make uh, adjustments to the uh, uh, water to uh, with gypsum and such to uh, increase the hoppiness and the hop character and make them more bitter. Uh, they did that for IPAs, and now it's, you know, uh, gone down into the pails and uh, ordinary bitters and stuff like that. Now, you can do that, and a lot of people will recommend uh, to add some burtonizing salts. And if you were going to do that, if you had uh, particularly soft water, it could be a good idea, and you're going to want to add uh, maybe a half teaspoon into five gallons of some sort of burton salts. And uh, that will help with uh, the hop uh, bitterness and uh, character. 
um, me, if, if you, if you got a moderate water, uh, you know, just, just try it that way first. Uh, and, you know, you can always adjust on other ones. Uh, I, I do all my beers without any sort of, uh, mineral salts. And you make pretty good beer? It turns out all right. <laughs> uh, just all right. So, uh, if, if Ash you, temps. yeah, if you're, if you're, uh, doing in, uh, you're gonna want to do a single infusion mash. Uh, all these British beers, you know, the, the grains are really well modified, uh, and you're gonna want to do a mash temp of say, uh, 152. Uh, if you want more body in it and a little less alcohol, you're gonna go, uh, you know, higher mash temps. I've gone, uh, you know, anywhere, I've experimented anywhere from 150 to, uh, 156. And I like 152 to 154 mm-hmm. is really a, a good temperature for these beers. Sweet spot. Yeah, you you know you don't want them too uh, too too chewy, but uh, um, you do need some some residual dextrins in there to kind of give it a, a, a bit of mouthfeel. Otherwise, it can it can end up awfully thin. And you mash out too, don't you? Yeah, I raise the the mash temp up to like 167. And then you, uh, you know, yeah, not not for any particular reason, but uh, just. Because that's how I was taught, and I haven't right. experimented with with not doing it. So, um, you know, that, I guess that's open to interpretation. Well, it works. So you're okay. Yeah, it works all right. <laughs> um, now, if you were uh, doing this and uh, you're going with extract, of course, uh, you can uh, add the extract in. You know, at the beginning, uh, it's a fairly light beer. It's a it's a good beer to make if you're uh, uh, like a partial boil brewer, as well, because. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of extract in there that's going to get caramelized. You won't have uh, much of that problem, and you know you can get the IBUs you need easily in a in a uh, half batch still. Uh, and then you know when you add the water, so it works out fairly well that way. Um, your hop additions uh, again, you're going to want to do a 90 minute boil. You do like a 60 minute uh, uh, bittering addition. You do like a between 30 and 10 minute. Uh, uh, flavor addition and, uh, you know, a, a knockout addition of, uh, aroma hops or even a hop back or whatever you want. What about a uh, extract recipe? Like, how, like four to five pounds of extract would you use? Uh, yeah, for, for, for grains. So for extract recipe, you're gonna go with, uh, you replace that six pounds of, uh, it was pale malt with, uh, you know, 4.3 pounds of liquid, uh, malt extract. Um, if you uh uh you know if you're if you're coming up with your own recipe you uh want to target uh you know in the 1032 to 1040 range for your your gravity and again the bittering uh, ratio is you know 0.8 0.9 to to 1 so uh for a 35 uh 1035 recipe i can go with uh, 30 ibus and uh, that that seems to have a nice balance. Again, it's all about balance and drinkability. And you want it to be bitter, but not so bitter that uh, you know it's not smooth and drinkable. Well, what about the flavor of the hops? What do they smell like? Taste like? Uh, Kent Goldings have kind of a floral, uh, uh, slightly uh, spicy kind of uh, note to them. Hmm. Uh, fairly distinct, and uh, you know, used in a lot of uh, English beers and. Uh, it's it's one of my favorites. I'll use it for just about any English beer. I'll use it for bittering. I use it all the way through all my English ales. Uh, I think uh, you know it's 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 a great choice. You can buy yourself, you know, a big sack of English Kent Golding uh, hot pellets, and uh, use those for all your English beers, and you're not going to go wrong. Nice. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a great great uh, hop to use. What about yeast. 
Well, when you get to uh, ferment, uh, you're going to want to use an English ale yeast. And the reason uh, you can't use something like California ale yeast or something like that is it's not going to give you the fruity ester profile and the low attenuation that you get with these English ale yeasts. So the English ale yeast, especially in these uh, lower-gravity beers, it is going to um, not attenuate quite as much, and you're going to get uh, the, the fruity esters. So uh, you can use... Um, uh, my favorite is uh, the White Labs uh, uh, WLP uh, 002, um, uh, or the uh, 005 is good. They have, uh, you know, their London Ale, Essex Ale, Burton Ale. Um, <laughs> you want me to make sure you know you said Big Sack. Big Sack, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, talking I, I saw your face. <laughs> Everyone needs a Big Sack. Uh, and uh, uh, Y-Yeast makes uh, a really nice uh, uh, 1968 uh, yeast and they're 1318. Those are also, uh, excellent yeast for this. And you can use, uh, you know, uh, dry. You can use, um, the Safael, the, the 04, or, uh, you know, there's a couple others, Nottingham and, uh, and a few others that do, are. Do you good. find that some yeast, especially English yeast, actually contribute a biscuity flavor to your ales? Um, no, they shouldn't really biscuity, but there are some yeasty characteristics that, uh, might be similar to a biscuity. Um, I've, I've used the 005 in just like a normal American pale ale before, mm-hmm. and I got a biscuity note out of it. But I also use Maris Autumn too, so that's probably contributed to it. Right. But um, You know, biscuity is similar to a lot of other flavors. And, I, right. you know, are you 100% certain it was biscuity or maybe something else that was enhancing the, right. the, the biscuity that was already there? Or you know, It's very difficult to, to make sure. Okay. When you ferment these, you're going to want to uh, ferment um, in the range of 66 to 69. It's, uh, you know, I, I ferment mine around 67. Um, uh, you know, uh, everyone will ask, well, do you make a starter for these? The, uh, of course you do. Well, uh, not necessarily. Or you um, repitch. Right, or you re- Well, what I, what I tend to do a lot of times is I'll make a five-gallon batch of uh, ordinary bitter at 1035. Now, what what starting gravity do we tell you you make, should make your starters at? 10.35. So, so it's like starter work in a way. So it's pitch a vial. And you, you can pitch a vial in and works quite well. Okay. Okay, so you can put one vial in, two vials in if you want. Uh, if I'm entering in a competition, I, I'll do two vials. Right. But uh, if I'm not, I'll just do one vial. I'll drink that beer myself, give it away, whatever. And then uh, the yeast cake off of that is an excellent yeast cake to make all your other British beers. So you're going to uh, be able to use that yeast for, uh, you know, split that out, maybe make a porter, maybe make, uh, you know, an English pale ale, maybe make an English IPA, uh, you know, take that yeast from those, make a English barley wine. So uh, you can take that yeast and, and use that cake, and it's a great way to start yourself off with a, a good yeast cake. So that's one of my, my tricks. That and I, I do, uh, Scottish ales with, uh, California ale yeast to do the same, same thing, to get my starter on a California ale yeast. So, uh, you know, you're going to ferment in that 67, 68 range, and that should give you enough fruity esters, uh, to be noticeable in, in a smaller beer like this. And, and you want those fruity esters, because it's do. part of style. Not, not huge and overwhelming, right. but subtle in background where you go, oh yeah, I, I, I notice a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, pear in there and there's a little bit of uh, you know uh, fig or whatever you know right. as it blends with the caramel and you're going to have these different uh, characteristics of the of the yeast that kind of balance out with everything else I, and that I, uh, that's you know key way to get a lot of character in the beer i get a cherry kind of flavor from the 005 mm-hmm. as far as the free esters 
Which is really cool. You know, you mm-hmm. can try the different yeasts that are out there, mm-hmm. and uh, it gives you quite a quite a different range. It's a, it's a they have a lot of yeasts available. The yeast companies, so uh, you have a, a good opportunity to try different things, and experiment. Got some people who use their milds for starters. And exactly. S- and somebody else used, uh, let's see, a yeah, mild as a starter, and someone used five gallons of bitter as a starter for their porter. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the thing to do. Yeah. So milds, ordinary bitters, Scottish uh, ales, uh, those are all real low-gravity beers that make excellent starters for, for other beers. Nice. And they don't. Uh, it doesn't affect the flavor at all because you're actually putting a beer into a beer? No, because there's there's very little very little beer left in the yeast. You know, you drain off the the spent uh, beer yeah, yeah. and uh, pitch us the yeast, and you can you can wash it with some water if you want. And th- these beers are uh, fairly um, subtle overall, so there's not a lot of effect on other beers, hmm. especially if you're going into a bigger beer. You know, it tends to tends to mask it pretty well. There tends to be not a lot of character there, so it makes a makes a great starter. Uh, when you go to serving these, you're going to want to um, serve them a little warmer. All right, so around 50 degrees. They say up to 55 degrees. I serve mine around 50, and I let it warm up a little bit as I drink it, and with less CO2. Okay, the, the warmer temps and the uh, less CO2 is going to allow you to have uh, a creamier beer. It's going to the warmer temps bring out more of the flavor and aroma of the beer, mm-hmm. and make for a, a more interesting drinking experience. So a good pressure was about six pounds, roughly, if you yeah. can carbonate it and let it age, serve it. Yeah, and it, it, it depends on the temperature of your fridge. Okay. Okay, so uh, if you're if you're keeping it around 50, then you're going to need higher. If you're keeping it around, you know, in the 30s, you're going to need lower. Okay. I tend to keep mine, uh, you know, uh, fairly cool, and I put a real low pressure on it. Um, just don't over-carbonate them. There's a magic point that you'll realize if you... If you put a low amount of pressure on it, check it each day, uh, take a, take a bit each day and see as it carbonates. At one point, it'll just be the most fantastic beer. And then in a day or two, it's not going to be any good anymore. And you've added too much carbonation. All of a sudden, it's, it seems thin. It seems sharp. It seems too bitter. It seems too acidy. Doesn't seem right anymore. So in competition, how do you get that carbonation level into the bottle? Well, I'll go, you know, right to that point where, um, you know, it seems perfect. Then I'll leave it like another day or so, mm-hmm. and then I'll disconnect it. Okay. And then when I count a pressure fill, you tend to lose a little bit. Sure. And uh, and you tend to lose a little bit in the cup when the judges pour, and, and they tend to shake it a lot okay. and wait, uh, you know, quite a bit before they actually taste it. So a lot of CO2 gets driven off that way. And uh, uh, when you do... Uh, when you do these uh, ordinary bitters, milds, uh, Scottish light ales, uh, again, uh, you know, balance is really key in all these and drinkability. They're they're hugely drinkable beers, so you should be able to drink pint after pint, and they should be flavorful. Uh, you know, just not hugely alcoholic. Very nice. I just want to go back to the mostly because I'm I'm intrigued by this. Uh, back to the uh, the yeast and the repitching there, basically. They didn't even clean their yeast. They just basically the guy racked his bitter, left the yeast cake in the in the conical or the carboy, and poured his new wort right on top of it. Well, and you can do that. Um, the the thing is, you don't want to overpitch uh, your yeast either, uh, and if you don't want to pitch a lot of uh, dead cells and trube and, and junk like that. And 
what that can do is affect uh, you know the ability to form a head on the beer. Mm-hmm. It can affect uh, you know the ability of the, the yeast in there to, to ferment. It can affect uh, uh, you know the overall flavor profile. You can get a lot more yeastolysis and and something like that if the you know if you've got a bunch of dead cells and then you're putting them into your fresh beer. Yeah. Um, you know those cells are already dead. They will start to eventually break down, and the the other yeast will consume them. Bacteria will consume them. There tends to be a higher level of bacteria in that cake of yeast. And if you just mix it with some sterile water, shake it up, and let the crud fall to the bottom, you're actually reducing uh, that that quite a bit. So, okay. uh, and then there's the pitching calculator on MrMalty.com, and that'll tell you how much yeast you should be using for a given batch, given gravity. It's easy to use and and that's really the better way to go. Okay. So what I do is I'll I'll split it up. I'll get a couple of bottles and I'll I'll put half the cake into one, half the cake into another, or I'll make one two thirds and one one third, depending on what I think I might be doing. Hmm. And then uh, I can use that for two different beers. I can brew two other beers and two other beers from that. And you know you keep splitting it and uh, uh, makes for uh, uh, the ability to do a lot of different different beers. Okay. Cheers. Hey, what's the difference between an uh, ordinary bitter and a mild? Someone was saying they look real similar on the recipe sheet. Well, um, ordinary bitter is going to be slightly more bitter in, in, in focus, so it's going to have um, you know a, a moderate level of bitterness, and uh, a mild is going to be malt centered. Milds tend to be uh, darker in color. Uh, there are uh, pale milds and there are dark milds, but most of them tend to be dark milds, and they tend to have some roastiness to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, other characters, they tend to be a lot more uh, specialty grains in that and that kind of focus. And whereas the bitter tends to be, you know, just uh, a malt background with a hint of caramel mm-hmm. and uh, more bitterness. And uh, a mild will never have uh, hop aroma or hop flavor. It shouldn't ha- really have either. It, it can, but generally does not. And uh, an ordinary bitter will have some. It won't be overwhelming, but it should have some. Okay. That's kind of the difference. Okay. So there's, you know, dark mild, pale mild, there's ordinary bitter, and there's what they call summer bitter, which is this, um, you know, lighter color bitter without the caramel now. All right. If you were uh, to overshoot your gravity by accident, uh, would you enter it, like, as a special best bitter or an ESB, or are they completely different styles? Or would I just pour it out? Or would you just pour it out? Well, um, depends on because what happens is if you overshoot your gravity, mm-hmm. you probably didn't add, and you find that out after you've finished boiling and all that. You probably didn't add the right amount of hops. Okay. Right. right. So you know, and it's all about balance in in brewing the best beers possible. It's all about you know getting the right balance for the style and, and making the beer the most drinkable. And so, if if you you know. Overshot your gravity, and you you bittered it like it was an ordinary bitter, but it was like you know ten fifty. Um, there's not much you can do. It's right. yeah. It's you could add maybe some hop ep- extract, some bittering extract, or uh, do something along that line to try and adjust it, and then uh, you know, or you could cut it with some water. And but either way, it, it just never seems to work out quite right. So it depends on you know how far off it was. Give it Generally, defense. yeah, I'll just bring it down, have Justin drink it. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, uh, you know, I'll just pour it out. I'll drink it. <laughs> I'll drink it anyway, Anything you so. got, yeah. bring it down. So, uh, you know, that, that's, you know, it's an interesting question. And that, and that happens, you know, and that's, that's one of the reasons 
that it's important to brew to style. Mm-hmm. I think you know just just to, for a learning process, not for drinking or anything else. But you know, giving yourself a target and understanding you know it's not uh, you know it's important that you know the bittering be on the uh, on the money that the, uh, the the gravity be on the money that uh, you know all these characteristics be uh, you know that there are targets and there are ways to to hit those targets and uh, you want to be able to um, uh, meet all of those those measures and that's you know brewing to style and and once you learn how to do that then you can craft your own you can say well I I really want to make a beer that's uh, you know sweeter or drier or bigger or smaller or whatever and you you know then you have the tools and the skill set to do it but unless you can pass a quiz of of doing these you know to style it's very hard to to really you know spread your wings and fly right what about if you mash at a lower temperature by accident like 146 148 overshoot it uh yeah it's gonna turn out a little dry um if you you know if you're real worried you could throw in uh you know some uh maltodextrin or something like that okay. uh you know some english recipes you'll see a lot of uh uh cane sugar uh added to uh or corn sugar added to the recipes and the problem with that is it tends to uh really thin out the beer and you know the English brewers were doing that you know for cost savings for a while and it kind of became part of the recipe and um, I really don't use – I'll use sugar in um, something like an English barley wine when you want to keep it from being cloying. But in a small beer, really, I feel, does not have any place. It really doesn't add any, you know, specific flavors, you know, uh, straight sugar. It just thins the beer out, and you don't want that in a small beer like this. Um, you know, you can uh, add, you know, in a mild, you could add some molasses or some treacle or something like that. Right. But, uh, you know, again, you know – Use some restraint. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go overboard on those. All right, you got to wrap it up. Uh, Crotchrot's in the chat room. You ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> He's wondering if you named your uh, website MrMalty.com because I'm the best brewer in the world.com, better recognized.com, and KissTheRing.com were taken. <laughs> Kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's that's the case. That's exactly uh, why. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I was surprised, but they were all taken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious if you can uh, wrap it up by giving us a summary of exactly what you would do if you were going to brew this guy tomorrow. Right. So what I would do is um, I get myself uh, a tube of uh, you know White Labs uh, WL uh, WPL uh, 002 English Ale yeast. I would uh, do a five gallon batch with six pounds of uh, English uh, pale malt. I'd use the crisp Maris Otter. I would use a half pound of Crystal 120. I'd use a quarter pound of special roast malt. I'd use a mash temperature of 152. I would use uh, uh, East Kent Goldings for my uh, bittering and other hops, uh, about uh, 30 IBUs. I would uh, either pitch that tube straight in or make a small starter, just kind of activate the, the, the tube up and pour it in. Uh, I'd use oxygen. I would uh, uh, ferment around uh, uh, 67 degrees. And uh, in the boil, I'd go 90-minute boil, 60-minute initial bittering, and then you know a couple of small hop additions uh, later in the boil. And uh, I'd be shooting for an original gravity about 10:35 or so, uh, finishing gravity about uh, uh, nine or 1.009 uh, for finishing gravity. Uh, SRM would be about uh, 10 or 11, and. Uh, Again, you're going for a real balance overall and uh, moderate carbonation. 
go for you know a volume and a half of carbonation, and uh, that gets you a, a, a real nice ordinary bitter. And uh, again, the flavor should be anything but ordinary. It should be a nice, flavorful beer with good body to it, very drinkable. But you have a pint, and you can drink you know three, four pints, and still be just fine. You know, about three percent alcohol. What do you think about this for an extract recipe? Uh, five pounds of English uh, steeping grains, half pound of one twenty, quarter pound of special roast, quarter pound of aromatic, and in your hops, uh, half ounce of Goldings for sixty minutes, and an ounce of Goldings for the last minute. Yeah, you probably need to reverse those hops. So okay. probably it's closer to an ounce on the bittering, and it's probably closer to a half ounce on the aromatic. Okay. What probably was the extract? English extract. English light? I, or It's it's just English. It's Mears Otter. Just, English, English, just Mears Otter. Okay. Extract, yeah. All right. So to replace an English pale ale malt. All right. So uh, the Sunday show is going to uh, air next, the replay of uh, last Sunday show. Uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m., they're going to have the Australian uh, Craft Brew Radio Program. It's a great program. I've listened to all of them. I really enjoy those, and I think you will, too. And the next time on the Jamel Show, we're going to uh, be talking about my box, and that's going to be February 13th. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later. Thank you. Cheers. The Jamil Show has been a production of The Brewing Network. Any comments, questions, or concerns may be sent to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com or jamil at mrmalty.com. All information given during the show is given to improve your homebrew and the homebrew community. If your homebrew is still bad after following Jamil's instructions, Jamil wishes not to be held liable by friends and family. All pre-Jamil batches should be disregarded, and post-Jamil faulty batches should be blamed on John, his co-host, or Justin, the boarder. This has been a production of The Brewing Network. All rights reserved.